Um, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 19. Um, we're actually kind of getting near the end of 19, and it is awesome. And I am excited about it. But beginning that, about a year ago, I had a friend of mine over to help me do some, some work at my house. And this is a friend that for about, I don't know, I guess I've known him for about 10 years. And, and he's, he's, in the story of, of him knowing me, he knew me prior to, um, prior to becoming a pastor and working in that. He knew me when I was working out in, the, in business and doing that stuff. And so we kind of got to know each other that way. And then when I became a pastor, it was, he, 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 he didn't change his, his countenance towards me, but it definitely knew that our relationship shifted a bit. And that's because in his upbringing, he has an absolutely horrific, horrific experience with the church. And so since he was really, really little, he just kind of abandoned and gave up on the church as a whole. He's married, he got married over this time, and they had a little boy. And, and they were over at our house. Him and this little boy were over at our house. And, and he was helping me do some work. We were cutting some stuff and, and doing some other stuff. And he was there. And I didn't get to actually witness this conversation. My wife, Jen, she, she got to experience this whole thing in front of, in front of my friend and his, and his son. And so in our house, we have a basement. And, and my daughter, my oldest daughter, Ava's, she's like, hey, let's go, let's go play downstairs. And, and, and you could see the little boy, the way the story is, you could see him struggling to go down there like you can see there's some scare like and and Ava or or Jen or his father are you afraid to go down there and or something came out and basically he said yeah I'm afraid I'm afraid to go down there and Ava looks at him and she's like well, why and he's like well, what if there's a ghost and she's like well you know and I'm, I'm paraphrasing but this is my my six-year-old little evangelist right <laughs> there may be some ghosts down there you know and there are some bad people but but do you know who Jesus is and she's having this conversation with this little boy in front of his father, in front of Jen. Because, see, Jesus is down there, and he's stronger than any ghost. He's stronger than anyone else. In fact, he could take anything. He's super, super strong. The ghost probably works for Satan, but don't worry. Jesus beats Satan. And so she's going to this, like, whole theology with him, right? And she has this whole conversation with this little boy about Jesus and Satan right in front of my, my wife. And Jen's just, like, sitting there thinking, like, looking over at him, going, is he okay with this? And anyways, this conversation happens. Well, fast forward, I don't know, a couple months, a few months later, and I get a call. Or I, I'm actually at an event with him again. He says, hey, I'm going to need you to come over to my house. I said, okay, what's going on? He's like, well, since our boy was at your house, since there, he's, been, he's been asking some questions that, that me, and, me and my wife aren't, aren't capable of answering. He's asking questions like, about a lot of things. And so I don't know, like, maybe we'd come to church sometime or maybe they'd go to church. But, but what can, we, can you come over? Can you just tell us what to expect? What would it look like? What are the things that you'd do? And that, that took about six, seven months. And then I ended up finally having a, a conversation with him where we worked our schedules out. And um, he didn't show up. And so then it was just mom and the little boy. Um, he kind of he like, OK, see you later. I got to go and, and went to work and didn't really want to be in it. And I sat in the room with, with mom bawling, going, I don't know how to answer these questions. He's asking questions about God and Jesus and all these things. And I don't, I don't know what to do. And I sat there and I, I thought about that for a second. First off, it was a really cool experience. And I'm, I'm continuing to pray for, him, for them and praying that God would do something mighty. Um, we actually ran into him again this last weekend. It's like God just keeps aligning us to them. And I just absolutely love it because he is working in some amazing way through this little six-year-old boy, right? And, and I couldn't help but think about it. I can't think of one instance, one instance in my life of following Jesus where I've had a friend say, man, I'm, I'm a little scared, where I've gone, oh, it's okay. Do you know Jesus? He's, he's, he's got this. Like, this is good to go. Like, there's Satan in this whole thing. Like, I've never, ever actually sat down in an, evangelist, an evangelistic conversation like that. Have you ever, I mean, it's, it's never that easy, Right? 
where they're like, whoa, whoa, wait, who, wait, who, you should have seen, like, who, who's Jesus? Even when I went over to ask him a question, he asked some of the most brilliant little questions of a little mind. He just wanted to know, like, tell me about this. How does this work? Where did this come from? These just impressionable, beautiful minds striving to know something, so willing to ask these hard questions. And as an adult, I don't rarely, like, well, most adults don't come over to my house and they're not afraid of the basement, but you never know, right? Someone could have a fear of basement. But I've never looked at them and said, hey, it's okay, you don't need to be afraid. Jesus is stronger. That's not my first thing. It's like, hey, you know, if someone's afraid of dark, it's not, you know what, get in, get your feet in. I never once just jumped to, you know who the, the strongest person in the world is? You know who can defeat all circumstances in this world? It's Jesus. But yet here's my six-year-old, who, by the way, just in case you're wondering if I've got, oh, your pastor's, you know, your pastor, your kid's going to be like higher intelligence in the word. Like, just in case you're wondering, I had to convince her the other day that the line in Narnia is an example of Jesus, not a real thing, okay? So she's, her theology is still kind of, she's still struggling, so don't think she's got to figure it out, okay? Um, but but what, I, what I'm saying is, is, is there's this impression and this beauty in children that if we're honest with ourselves, and in parents you see this through the frustration and the annoyance of children at times, you see this all the time where it's like, man, to be young again, to experience, to experience that, that, that just that ridiculous trust of the environment around you before you've been burned and jaded and pretty soon have a kid later on that wants to ask questions that you're afraid to answer because of your experience from the church. To be young and to be ex- excited about what's coming. If you have a kid, I, in fact, if you work, and in fact, let's do this right now. Um, I'm going to embarrass any of the introverts in the room, so you're welcome to sit down. Any extrovert, but can you please, if you have or are serving in our kids' ministry or in our youth ministry, can you please just stand really quick? No one will look at you. Everyone just look forward, but everyone stand up real quick. Can we just, like, thank them real quickly? Because I, 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 I want to say something. Okay, you guys can sit down. There were more, but some of the introverts are like, it's not happening, not standing up in front of people. <clears throat> We have a number of people. In fact, I asked Jess for the numbers. We have 59 adults that serve in just our kids' ministry alone. 59 adults. Eight of them are under the age of 18, and 17 of them are college students. And so that's, that's amazing. That's amazing that we have that many people serving. I can tell you right now, we, we need more in there, but, but that's not what this is about. What this is about is something different. If, if, those, if any of those people that are stood up, like aside from maybe if you were in one of my daughter's classes where she was going crazy or something like that, you've had experiences, right, where you've seen, where you've seen these kids come to a story and it's just a moment where they're just like bright-eyed and, wait, what? How did that happen? And as you mix through the crafts and some of the other things and the kids that are trying to bite the other kids or, you know, you kind of deal with that, like you kind of get through it. You, you see this experience where at the end of it, you're like, man, if only I could do this with my peers. Like maybe if we just as adults would go into a room and do a craft together and, and talk about G- Jesus' stories. But no, we, we've gotten so much baggage in the way. In fact, if we're really honest, I think more of us than others believe that we're better than them. Right? We believe that we are, because of our intelligence, because of what we do, because of our posture, because of how much we give or how often we attend or how much we serve, in a lot of ways we think we bring so much more to the table than these children do. But yet you can't shake it. You see a kid, if you ever hang out with one, a little imagination going, you're like, oh, I wish I could just, I wish I could go back to that. 
the story we're, we're at in, in, in Matthew is, is we see it in Mark and Luke. We see an account of this as well. And it's an interesting section because I think what happens is something that most of us would go, okay, this is one of those times where, again, I feel like the disciples really, really, really miss the point of what's going on. And so Jesus uses this text to drive home a, an absolutely amazing and brilliant point for all of us today. And so I want you to, I want you to just kind of come back to your your five-year-old brain, if you can. If you can remember, some of you are like, that was too many years ago. That's too many classes of college ago. Like, whatever it is, just, just blow, like, blow off the dust if you can and come back to your five-year-old brain for a second. Maybe three-year-old. Maybe a little bit younger. And you're this kid, and you, you, you hear, you, you, maybe, maybe you're a baby, and so you don't remember, but we'll just say, like, three or four years old, and you hear about this guy that's amazing, Right? You, you can't help but hear the story of this guy that's doing these incredible things, and, and you see all the other adults around, you're super excited, and you don't get why they're excited. You're not sure why they're, they're talking about him. His name keeps coming up, but you hear this name over and over and over again. And every time he's somewhere, you notice that crowds swarm. So as a curiosity of a child, you can't help but, but want to be close to that, but to want to know, but you don't get what's going on. And all of a sudden, your parents or your caretakers or your neighbors or someone that's with you starts bringing you to this person, bringing to this person with the sole purpose that he would bless you. And that's where we are in this text, is a, is a number of people start bringing their children to Jesus to have them bless him. And in this time, it made sense. In the olden days, it would usually be near the year of atonement where they would pray a blessing over children in that way. But this is, a, this is different, and it's just a case where Jesus is around. We don't know if the people that are bringing him are their parents or friends or neighbors. We don't even know if the parents or the friends or the neighbors actually believe that Jesus can do anything. But they know that something is different about him. And they can't shake it. And so they bring these kids. And so here you are, this, this, this infant, which you probably wouldn't remember much, or two-year-old, or three-year-old, or, or however old you are, and you're getting, you're getting carted to this man, Jesus. And at the door of the house is this other man standing there. And he says, whoa, whoa. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? What are you, what are you, what are you doing? We don't, we don't got time for that. Don't you understand who this is? You got some guard at the door going, don't you, don't you get it? This, this, is, this is Jesus. He is, he's on his way to Jerusalem. He is, he is, he is going to make the kingdom of God happen here on earth. He has got so many more important things than to lay hands on this little kid. Why would he spend any time there? What's the point of that? It's kind of like the posture that maybe some of us have at times. We're a little kid super excited about something. Hey, hey, tell me more. No, nah, I don't got time for that right now. Or when a young mom's in here with a baby and the baby starts crying, you kind of get that little like, oh, oh, come on. Get that kid out of here. Right? These are the disciples of Jesus that are rebuking, rebuking parents. Friends, get your kid out. We don't got time for this. The very same disciples that a few days earlier, Jesus made the entire point of the kingdom of God based upon a child in his lap. He made the entire point in that way just a few days before. He said, to, to understand the kingdom of God, you must receive it like this child. And they're saying, man, Jesus, Jesus got more important things to do. We can't be bothered with that. I got, I got things I need to learn from Jesus. Right? How about that one, right? Every now and then we do services in here where we bring all the kids in, and I love it because I hate sometimes how much segregation happens in the church. We bring kids in here, and it's just chaos, 
right? We did it last year during our, um, our Good Friday service. So we have a cross back there so people can hammer to it and kids are rocking around with hammers and nails. It's like, it's just death waiting to happen, right? But we, we start posturing ourselves where what we want to hear is more important than what they want to hear. As if these many people that stood up don't spend time studying God's word or studying the curriculum that we have in place to teach these kids about the gospel, to partner with you parents who are to train them in the way they should go. All right, so the disciples are rebuking parents. Now, just, just in case you're wanting the New Testament alone, anytime anyone other than Jesus rebukes, it's usually not a good thing. It usually doesn't go off well, okay? And we find out from the Gospel of Mark that Jesus is somewhat indignant. He's a little bit frustrated with his disciples in the setting because he hears about them withholding the children from him. And so he comes in and he says, he says to him, whoa, 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 whoa. In chapter 19, he picks it up, verses, um, verses 14. But Jesus says, let the little children come. I, I kind of feel like this is one of those moments I want to blame Peter, but we don't have Peter's name here, so maybe it was all the, <laughs> but it, maybe it was Peter's idea. Hey, I'm not doing so well. Why don't you stand at the door, buddy, and just get rid of these people? Because I want to hear more about the kingdom of God from Jesus. I want to understand a better picture. I want to, I want to go deeper. You know, if our, if our gospel community just didn't have so many kids in it, we could understand the gospel better. If we could just have a, a little bit more of Jesus' time uninterrupted with these annoying little kids. They're, they're, they're crazy. They're running around. They're screaming. They got boogers all over their faces. Like, they, I don't think someone should live that can put that many different things in their mouth at one time. Like, it's not healthy. Right? They're They're annoying. And in this culture, again, they, they, were, they were seeing kids, their main purpose was to be seen, not heard. An obedient child, an obedient child. It was, it was drilled into them. You can be here, but you do not be heard. You do not make a scene. And Jesus does something drastically different. He opens up the doors of his house and says, get them in here. Let them come. Let them come to me and do not hinder them. Don't hinder them. Let them come to me. Why are, you, why are you hindering them? And then he goes on and says, for, such, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And the, and the gospel of Matthew tells us that he laid his hands on them. We learn from Mark and Luke that they actually came and sat and he embraced them in his lap. And he prayed for them. Scholars love, love to take this text and to try and find ways to battle for infant baptism or infant belief or like all kinds of things. I feel like that's just convoluting the text. I think what God is doing here in an amazing way through, 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 through leading Matthew and Mark and Luke and telling us his stories, he's bringing up a very, very, very precious point that I think all of us struggle with at times. The value of children. Some of you are like, man, I don't even want, some of you college kids are like, man, I don't even want kids and I'm, I'm just staying away from that for a while. But Jesus makes a really good point. He says, for two for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Now, what is he talking about specifically? He's not talking about the kid's obedience. Let's be honest. I mean, if you spent 40 minutes in a classroom with any of these kids and you realize that they're a bunch of disobedient monsters, right? He's not talking about obedience. Not even talking about a humility. I love my girls, but man, they, like, I think maybe because I've told them they're awesome too much, like, like, I'd look at Ava, I'm like, you're so beautiful. She's like, I know. It's like, great, awesome. Yeah. You can say thank you. Oh, I know, thank you. 
You know, it's like, no, that's not how it works. It's not humility. He's not talking about their humility. Or even, even their innocence. If you think about it, like, yeah, their innocence and some of their naiveness, but their innocence, like, have you ever seen, like, I swear, I swear the kids conspire at making plans on how to offend and frustrate adults. Have you ever, like, I swear, they're like, have little means, okay, here's what we're going to do. What we're going to do is you're going to run over here, you're going to throw fit like crazy. Like, they are not innocent, I'm telling you. They are not innocent. They know how to play us way, way too well. So it's not their obedience, it's not their humility, it's not their innocence. You know what it is? It's their trust. It's their trust and their utter dependence on everyone around them. Like my, my youngest daughter, she doesn't even know how to eat by herself. I mean, she does because she obviously eats a lot. You can see it. But, but she wouldn't eat if we didn't put food there. Right? This is complete, utter, de- like she's just completely dependent on me and Jen to bring food to her, to care for her, that's this dis- dependence. And she trusts. Like, if I gave her something and said, mm, yummy, eat, I could give her something pretty bad to eat. I mean, the bad for me, obviously, I wouldn't do that. But, but I'm saying they, they just trust everything from us. They just get a little bit older and they see how untrustworthy we are and then they stop trusting as much. But these young children, that there's this utter dependence and trust on, on parents. And that's what I think Jesus is getting at. He's saying, look, look, these kids, they get it. They have nothing they have nothing. They don't bring anything to the table. They don't, they don't have any kind of self-reliance. That, that gets kind of ingrained in them as they get older. But these young, these young babies, these young kids, they have, they have nothing to bring to the table. And so Jesus says, look, you're missing it. And he rebukes his disciples and says, you guys, don't hinder them. Why would you, why would you hinder the children from coming to me? So he rebukes them. They have a trust and an utter dependence on everything. And so this begs the question for all of us, how do we view children? And I, I wanna, I'm going to kind of, I'm going to broaden this in just a second, come a little bit out of this text and, and maybe a little bit broader because I don't think anyone was bringing any college students to Jesus' lap that day, but we're going to talk about that in a second, okay? But essentially this, how do we as a church view children as parents and as individuals in the church as followers of Jesus? So here, here's, here's a couple areas where I think that we hinder children. And so I'm going to push on these. And some of you, you guys are going to be like, yeah, it's about time someone said something. Others are going to be, oh, maybe I'm doing that. And my, my, my request is that all of us would, would take this with an open, well, open lens and say, okay, God, speak to me. What, what is it that I do? So I'm going to start with parents. The first way that parents, that me as a parent hinders children, I expect the church to, to share the gospel with them. I put it on the, on the, the professionals to save them. That is the, the, the most wrong thing ever. As parents, you know how else we enter in? By, by, by modeling what we don't want our children to do in action and saying something drastically different. Right? Parents, we do this. We, we all do this, right? We say, no, 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 it's, it's good, kids. I want you to know that, that church is important, Right? <laughs> Get in the car. It's important to get there. And we fight with them and we get in this big, massive, like it's this brigade dragging them by feet and go with class. I just don't need you anymore, right? That says the wrong thing. Or we do the opposite. You know what? Community is very important, but we isolate ourselves because we just, we're too busy. We got a young baby. It's too hard. And we just isolate ourselves. Well, it's a hindrance to these kids. You are, it is your mandate as a, as a, as a parent. It, you are commanded to train your child in the way they should go. Deuteronomy 6, it is, it is on you. You are 
given an extended grace by God, by him involving the community around you to help you in that, to aid in that. So parents, you're a hindrance by saying one thing, modeling something different. Church, church-wide, we're a hindrance by every single time. And you know what? If you stayed after second service, there was, a, there was one guy, he's actually moving, that was so good at this, and I loved him for it. Um, if you stay after church, there's a bunch of parents that are staying here to tear down the church, and their kids are at that point where, if you have children, I'm talking about, so they're, they're no longer hungry. They've, they've gone to like that crazy stage that's, that's beyond hungry, where it could be really funny, right? I'm not talking like, they could be like, they could be just like, wow, I don't know what's wrong with them, or it could be really scary. Like, it's that, it's that you don't know where the line is, right? The kids are going crazy. And there's this one guy here, he was a single dude, and he just didn't have kids. And when we were tearing down, you know what he was always doing? He was always running around, throwing kids on the floor, well, not throwing them on the floor. Well, yeah, he was kind of, actually. He was wrestling with them. He was doing all that stuff. And what, what I love is, is that he interacted with children. He actually engaged in children. So when a kid walks by, it's not like, oh, get out of the way. Oh, boogery nose. That's a hindrance. Like when you, when you tell children, if you're in a conversation with an adult and you're like, get away, get away, you're not valuable. When you meet a parent and you sit there and interact with them and you never once look down at the child and say hello and introduce yourself, you're telling them that they are second-class citizens. You're telling them that their presence is, well, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll tolerate you here until you get in your class and then the professional volunteers can handle you, can corral you. I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I don't know what we as a church or the, the, the greater church has done to make us believe that church is about us. You know, the main purpose of the church is to make disciples. Well, you know who the best evangelists you have around you are these stinking kids. Statistics prove it over and over again. People will come back to the church when they have kids because they're like, well, they're asking questions. So when we are bothered by each other's children, when we, when we refuse to extend grace to a parent, I had another friend that was very, very rude to another family about their child and the way that they were obedient or not. And then we found out that the child had some developmental problems. This is, this is not the way the kingdom of God works. And this is where Jesus is going, look, look, bring him here. Bring him to me. Let's celebrate him. Let's, let's enjoy them. Let's, let's bless them because let's, let's empower them with this gospel that, like I said, my, my daughter does not get it, but man, she's just, she's just slaying it at school. It's awesome. Like, it is just amazing to watch the way people interact with her. Kids, we have neighbors that are interacting with us that are, that are LDS, and the only reason they're interacting with us is because of our children. God has, God has given us this blessing of children. And some of you are like, man, I'm not a parent. I'm not going to be a parent. And some of you college students are like, <sighs> y'all deal with this in a few years. Wrong. Wrong. You guys are fresh legs, <laughs> fresh minds for us tired parents. You should be jumping in further and harder and deeper into this. My kids absolutely love when college students pay attention to them. They love it. You hold so much power in that in a beautiful way. And at the same point, when you choose to ignore and get out of the way or see them take another brownie because they're running like crazy around here and they're eating all the last brownies, and you're like, man, I wanted that brownie. Good news is their metabolism can handle it better than yours, okay? So just let them eat it. <laughs> so, so Jesus makes this point that children are valuable. 
children are important. They're not just some secondary citizen. And so some of you, this means for you, it's time for you to stop viewing them like a second-class citizen. In fact, I want to challenge every single person in here that is not a parent, okay? We'll get to the parents second. Every single one of you that's not a parent, I want you to have a conversation with someone under the age of 10 before you leave here today. Ask them what they learned. Ask them their name. Don't be creepy. Maybe make, you know, make sure the parents are okay with it, right? <laughs> because when you hear, when I hear what my kids learn at church, I'm like, man, I almost would rather go in there than be in here with me. Like, I mean, it sounds so much more fun. Okay, now I want to I extend this group a little bit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak to the over 40s, the seasoned veterans in this, in this room. Um, I have heard a murmur, and I've said this before, over and over and over again. Wow, there are a lot of college students coming here. And you know what I say to that every single time? Praise God that we are not one generation. So I'm going to challenge you over 40s to do something different. I don't even want you to go. You guys are like, I had kids, I raised them, I'm done with it. No, I want you to be annoying to a college student. I want you to walk to someone that looks younger than you, like exceptionally younger, and ask them about their day. Ask them what God is teaching them. Stop believing the lie that the church is about you and you only. We're to make disciples. We should be celebrating. You know how many, I have friends at pastor churches that there are only over 50s there. And my heart breaks for them. He's in there going, I just, I want some life and I want some people in there. And we're on the flip side where gray hair are, are few and not because there's just a few left on the head, but because there's a few of you, Right? But, but Jesus is making a very good case here for the fact that every single person in the kingdom of God is valuable. Every single person. And we get all riled up about race and gender and all those fights, but we forget that generations are being completely ostracized from the community because we want it to be more about us. And so I challenge you guys. I challenge you guys to enter into this generational thing. Stop running from it. If you're a young parent with young kids and you're just exhausted, you're not exempt from this either. You don't get to check out, well, I got a younger generation. No. No, it's your job to have the humility to ask for help. College students, I'm pretty sure now, I would encourage you to not charge too much, but you can make a pretty stinking good living with how many little kids we have around here in babysitting. But what are the ways that you hinder children? I, you know, what's interesting about the disciples, and this is, this is where we'll end this today, What's interesting about the disciples I, is there's a, there's a little bit of disagreement on why they would rebuke the children, right? Why, why would they do that? Why would, well, they weren't really rebuking the children. They were probably rebuking the, the people that were bringing the children. But it's, that's, a, that's a stark, con, that's like go away. We don't have time for you. It's not, a, it's not a polite thing. Rebuke isn't something that you're like, oh, yeah, I was rebuked. That was fun. And they, why would they do it? And so some say, well, maybe it was because they're in a hurry because they knew that Jesus was, was supposed to go to Jerusalem, which is kind of silly if you think about, like, what happens in Jerusalem. They're, like, trying to rush Jesus to get crucified. I mean, they don't get that, obviously, because even though he said it to him plainly a few times just before this. Maybe they're rushing there. And then the, the other option is that I believe, and I believe that this is what it is, is that they viewed themselves as more valuable than the children, more important. And so the same goes for every single one of us in this room. 
Am I more valuable than someone that's over 50? Am I more valuable than an infant? Am I more valuable than a three-year-old? Because, well, you know what? A three-year-old can't really do much. So I must be more valuable because look at what I'm doing. You've just made your walk with Christ about your works. Well done. That's not the point. I think the disciples, they, they lost it. They believed that they were more important than these children, just like some of us believe. In fact, if we're really honest as parents, I still believe that at times. I don't got time for you right now. I got, I got important things to do. When the gospel is alive and flourishes in these young kids and they're in the most amazing, amazing setting ever around a bunch of kids that don't know Jesus, but guess what? You know what parents will always do? Every single time what they'll do, they will end up usually following where their children go after time. So why wouldn't we spend more energy evangelizing, more energy loving, more energy encouraging the children? And some of you can do this this way. First off you can do is you can say, you know what? Jess Hickson, who runs our kids' ministry, does an amazing job. Dan, who runs our youth ministry, does an amazing job. Both of them are in need of more volunteers, not just faces to come sit in a room, but people that say, no, no, you know what? I've either spent too long pretending like kids weren't important enough, or I'm tired of just not doing something for them, and I'm going to step in, and I'm going to bring life into this. The whole, the whole conversation, you know, I just, I just need a break. I'm with kids all the time. We have, we have 59 people serving. 17 of them are college students. So do your math. That's a lot of parents that are serving with kids. So if you're a parent, you're going, well, I'm just tired and I need a break, or I've done it, I've served my time, I'm out, you're wrong. You are so valuable to the next generation. Why would you, re why would you isolate yourself from that? And you're like, okay, I can't, I can't handle little kids. Great. Have fun with junior high kids. They're crazy. But we need it there too. Or high school students or college students. College students, don't sell yourself short here. You know how much you have to offer someone like me or someone that's 50? Why, why would we segregate ourselves out? And Jesus says, let them come. Because you know what happens when, when everyone's free and not hindered to come to Jesus? You know what happens? Life, joy, hope, freedom. I think it's time that we all engage in this in a different way. So if it's, whether it's, I want to, you know what, I'm going to give an extra hour and a half of my Sunday to serve in kids or on a Monday or Sunday or Wednesday, depending upon what you do with the youth. I, I'm going to do it. I'm, I've said it for a long time. I just have to reorient. I have to make it a priority, and I, I, I value this. I value what, what God has given me, and I know that he can use me in someone else's life. Or maybe it's just you being willing to go in and interact with a child. You know what's funny is, is, is I, when I was in the Philippines, I noticed this. There was a little baby, Jem Jem. She was, I don't know, 15 months old, and she acts like a four-year-old. I'm serious. She, she was super smart. But she would cry, and I'd look over at the parents, and the parents never, ever went to her. There was always someone else in the community grabbing her and taking care of her. I kind of hope that when my child does something stupid, which one of them will, right, like jumping off of something they shouldn't jump, I kind of hope that if my back is turned, someone else is paying attention. And that's the same way, that's a physical, physical example of what we're supposed to be doing spiritually with each other. You get that? Like, I need to know that you have my back for my girls. I need to have, other, I, can't just, I can't just disengage from others. The, the band's going to come up and we're going we're gonna to worship some more. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you to do it this way. If you even stayed there or not,
if you stayed in your five-year-old mind. I'm going to challenge you to worship like a five-year-old would. Now, if you've ever been in the kids' room, actually, Steph, do you remember any of the moves for the kids' room on the dances? Yeah, she knows them all, right? So either way, what I'm saying is I'm going to encourage you guys to worship God with childlike faith, with a faith that is trusting, a faith that is utter dependent on God and God alone. I'm going to encourage every single one of you, every single one of you to ask this question in this last bit of worship, wherever it may be. How have I been a hindrance to the gospel in another generation? How have I been a hindrance as a parent? How have I been a hindrance as a neighbor? How have I been a hindrance of as just another person in the room? Because my, my bet is, is if you really think about that for a moment, that God's going to say, okay, hang on. You may not see it as a hindrance because you're like, oh, I'm okay. I just, I just kind of do my thing. But realistically, is, is your thing including those others around you? Because if it isn't, you, you are hindering them. You're telling them something. And then I, I want to encourage you parents, lastly. If you have parents or kids, one of the best ways you can love, and well, this is for everyone, one of the best ways you can love someone else is to love their child. And there are a lot of, my bet in, in, in this setting is that there were people that weren't even the parents of these children bringing them to Jesus. Not even necessarily because they believed it, but because, because they knew something was supposed to happen and this is where they're at. Or maybe it was because they believed it. My challenge for you as parents is that, is that maybe you're the one that's going to bring another child to church. You know what? My neighbor brought me to church first off. I grew up in, in the Greek Orthodox Church, spent a lot of time away from it, but my next-door neighbor brought me to, to youth group. And it was, it was them in that step, and now I'm in church with my parents as well. Like God can do amazing things through kids. Don't underestimate what he can do through the little ones. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for um, the work you're doing in my friend's life with this little boy. I pray that you continue to stir. I pray that you'd move. I pray that you'd create more opportunities to spend time together. I pray that your gospel would break in in a mighty way in their life. I pray it would break in in the life of every single child we have here, God. I pray that we would be uh, known not because of who we are as Rev, but because of who we are as your followers, as your children, but known for, for the faith of our children, the faith of our community, the faith of, of um, your followers that you have both birthed and are going to perfect in us, God. So Lord, I pray for that. I pray for the blessing of our children. I pray that every single child today would hear the gospel in a fresh way and that it would take seat, take root in their heart. I pray for the salvation of all of our kids. God, for the ones that are in this room that have estranged children of older age, I pray that you'd redeem, you'd restore. God, I pray for every single person in this room that we would, we would all faithfully jump in at making disciples, especially when it comes to the children. I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.